Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And no nation which expects to be the leader of other nations can expect to stay behind. With the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. Well, who's fired up to be at church? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so fired up to be with you again at Fountain Springs. I'm so excited to be a part of this series called Platform. And uh, I just want to introduce myself to you just in case you didn't meet me last time, about 18 months ago when I was here at the church. Uh, I'm youngest of six boys. Uh, that's one reason that I'm loud. Uh, my mother and father, they really wanted a daughter, but the last baby came out accidentally, twin boys. And so my mother and father decided not to try for a daughter again because they thought they'd have triplet boys. And so uh, I'm the youngest, and being loud was essential to my survival. And so I'm, I'm, I'm loud for that reason. I'm also loud because God has worked miracles in my life. And when you've had God work miracles in your life, uh, you can't be quiet about that uh, because you know you, and you know you couldn't have done it. And when the Lord has moved on your behalf, It'll leave you fired up, and I'm excited to be here as part of this platform uh, series. Uh, how awesome is it that this church is taking on a series that is relevant to right now type of stuff? Uh, who's ready for the election to be over, right, like a year ago? I'm ready for it to be over. That would be awesome. We've heard way too much about other people's platforms, and today we're not going to talk about much of that, but I did want to just kind of talk about uh, some of the financial platform that our nation is facing. How many of you know that our nation kind of struggles financially? Has anybody realized this? That 70% of us live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, that one out of four of us is missing at least one bill per month. We're late on it. And that our national debt is $19.3 trillion. Who's, I brought the number just to share with you, just to look at it. Just take it in for a minute. Doesn't that look awesome? It's not 19.3 million, 19.3 billion. No, we have three extra zeros. It is 19.3 trillion dollars. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at this, it kind of makes my eyes do this. And let me make it really relevant. That even if you were debt-free, if you had paid off your house, you paid off your cars, you have no debt whatsoever, that if this debt were equally divided amongst every American citizen living right now, man, woman, and child, your share of that debt is 59656 bucks. So if you have a family of five, it's just south of three hundred grand in debt for your family. Get fired up. 
Should we call Sister Carrie Underwood to the stage to sing that old spiritual, Jesus take the wheel? <laughs> Listen, it's a, it's a big issue. In our nation, uh, we have elected officials. It is a representative government. We sent them there. We checked the box, we filled in a blank, and we sent people there. And is it any wonder that if our nation is living in debt, 70% of us, paycheck to paycheck with lots of debt, is it any wonder that our elected officials operate that same way? It is nothing more than representative of who we are collectively as Americans. And as we build our platform, you know, one of the things that I know is, I, I say to myself, somebody should do something about that. But I used to be really broke. And I wonder if anybody here has ever been broke before. Have you ever been broke? I'm just seeing if there's any witnesses in here. Like I'm talking college broke. Like if you had a $20 bill, you're the equivalent of a multimillionaire. That, that type of broke. Like when, you, when somebody said, how broke are you? You said, just look it up in the dictionary because your name is next to that word, broke. And, and listen, I was saying we, the nation is in a mess and then I looked at my own finances and I realized that I was managing my finances the exact same way. That I was spending more money than came in and I was broke. And I desperately needed to fix it. I, listen, uh, if you look at the financial platform of Americans, we got trouble, don't we? Think about this. Many of us are dating that girl named Sally Mae or her first cousins like Nav Navient. They rename themselves or Federal Direct Loan or, or Nelnet or any one of those student loan providers. Uh, some of you are dating her right now. Um, li listen, I used to date her for many years. It was a long-term relationship. But when you look at people repaying student loans, it went, they've done surveys of this that says for, if they break people into different age brackets, different buckets, so to speak, 20 to 29, 30 to 39, 40 to 49, and 50 to 59, the largest bucket group of Americans repaying student loans are those aged 40 to 49. They've been paying on student loans for more than 20 years. It makes me think my eight and a half year relationship was less and not so bad, but it was still terrible, right? T-R-B-L, terrible, like Charles Barkley says it. And it was really bad, and I was broke, and I really wanted to fix my financial situation, and uh, I, through God's word, I was able to transform my finances. And today, I want to help you have a strong financial platform to help you be able to fund exactly what God has called you to do in your life. And I read this story that I think is relevant to this, and we can see a lot of great financial learnings from it. And it's a story about a guy named Zacchaeus in the Bible in Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read the story, and then we're going to learn from it. And it says this, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and has made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. Everybody say Zacchaeus. It's kind of fun to say it, isn't it? Uh, and it's got two C's in it. It's just kind of weird. I don't know. But it, and it's got an A before an E, which is really confusing for me. It's like they wanted to get all of the vowels. They just missed, right, I and O. A-E-I-O-U. Anyhow, it should have said I-O-U. Anyhow, he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he'd become very rich. Okay, and he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. He was height-challenged. Okay, it says, so he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree. I was, I was confused. I didn't know what a sycamore fig tree was, so I looked it up on Wikipedia, and I found what it is. It's a real thing. It's a sycamore tree that produces figs. It's pretty awesome. And it was beside the road, and for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, 
and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. And I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. It's an incredible story, and I think there's some great things that I can learn from this that I think we can all learn from it if we want to build a strong platform. And the first thing is we have to understand a purpose of platforms, and that is that what is, let's look at it, what is elevated receives attention. Everybody say elevated. Elevated. Uh, I, I rode in an elevator at the hotel to get to another level. I'm currently standing on a platform to be at another level so that people might be able to see me and I can see you and you can see the message. Um, and the truth be told, as kids, we climbed trees, many of us did. Um, and what I know is that Zacchaeus, he climbed a tree to elevate himself up so that Jesus could see him and that he could see Jesus. He used the tree as his platform. And I've used platforms in my life. Uh, I have uh, different types of platforms. I've used them for different reasons. Uh, I've used, I, I'm a hunter. Are there any, are there any hunters in the house? Uh, I, I love hunting. I feel like I should hunt 365 days a year. I think it's awesome. Uh, checking trail camera pictures is like Christmas for me. Recently, I checked my trail cameras, uh, and there was a peacock. I'm still trying to figure out what friend stuck a peacock in front of my cameras, but I really did get a picture of a peacock. It's very confusing, but it was awesome, and I showed it to all my friends, and I love that, but when I go deer hunting back east, I go up a tree with a tree stand, and I stand on this tree stand. It is a platform, and I do that for a purpose, and what I know is that whatever is elevated receives attention, and so my question is, for you right now in your life, what are you elevating? And maybe a better question is, of that thing you are elevating, why are you elevating it? You see, there's different times in our life that we elevate different things, right? There came a moment in college when I, I saw this girl, y'all, it was a Saturday night, my first weekend at Purdue University there in Indiana, and I was there to study mechanical engineering, and I was there to study, and I was going to get straight A's. But my first weekend there, I saw Jennifer Lynn Nijakowski, a Chicago Polish Southsider. And my idea of a 4.0 straight A's went out the window. And I started elevating myself to get a better look at Jennifer Lynn Nijakowski. And the sales pitch was on, right? Because what gets elevated gets attention. And we've all had that in our life in relationships, right? And we've had different moments in our life where we focus on different things. For example, in your workplace, if you're wanting to be promoted, you'll, you'll elevate college education or a trade or a skill. There's all these different things in our life that we will elevate, and we, we will put something on the platform. So the question that we always have to ask ourselves is, 
why are we elevating it? And when we look at Zacchaeus, he elevated himself, why? So that Jesus could see him. As I look at that in the story, I can't think of a better reason to elevate anything in your life than to have Jesus get his attention on that item. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment in your life where you're, you're praying for something to happen in your life or you're praying for direction in your life. You're not quite sure what God has called you to do. And uh, I've had these moments in my life where I kind of had a vision, a, a lack of vision that I felt God was calling me to something but I didn't know what it was. Have you ever had these moments where you're like, God, I, I don't know what you're calling me to do but I know uh, that I would like to do something you've called me to do? And I'll, re- I'll never forget I had a moment in my life. It was back when I was broke and I was uh, driving on this interstate, and I was having it out with God. Have you ever had one of these moments? Um, and so I was praying out loud, fervently. Now, I will tell you, I was driving with my eyes open, which is always good, right? I was praying with my eyes open. Like, that would be helpful if you're driving and praying to please keep your eyes open. Amen? Okay? And so I'm driving, and I'm having this moment where I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated, Because I want to know exactly what God has called me to do. Have you ever been there? And God, I want you to write it in the clouds or write it on my dashboard or something. I need to know. And so I'd be like, God, I need to know. Please tell me what it is you're calling me to do. What is the platform that you want me to climb on in my life? What do you want me to elevate? And I, I felt God say, well, it'd be helpful if you would like read the word. And so I ran across this passage of scripture that I think is really good. And it's uh, Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. And it says this, it says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Who's excited that it says a living sacrifice? I- I'm very excited. And it says, as a living sacrifice, Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I'm an engineer. I I got a degree in mechanical engineering from Purdue, and I didn't learn a lot. Because, to be honest, when I was studying this Jennifer Lynn Nijakowski, my grade suffered. Or maybe I just wasn't that smart. So I got a 2.64 GPA, get fired up, right? Some people graduated magna cum laude or summa cum laude. I graduated thank the laude, and I got out of there, okay? But I did learn something, and here's what I learned, that there are if-then statements. It's kind of like cause and effect, that if something is true, then this can be true. But if this is not true, then this cannot be true. So let's go back here really quick, because this is an if-then statement from God. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, here's the if. If you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. This is saying, God, I'm going to put my life on a platform for you to use it. Give me direction. Watch this. And then don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, If you do that, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you see it? 
This is how I was able to determine what God's calling was on my life. And I felt God calling me to go help people in ministry. And I was like, I don't know how this works, God, because the last I checked, you don't go into ministry for a pay raise. Can I get a witness from the pastoral staff? Like we're laying up treasure in heaven. And so I felt God say, you need to get your finances in order. And so I was broke as a joke, and I was really broke. Like, it, like listen, really broke. Like I had every debt imaginable. I had student loan debt. I had car debt. I had credit card debt. I had truck debt. You know, because in the first book of Hesitations, chapter 3, verse 2, it says every dude needs a truck. No, it doesn't say that. But I had financed one before. And then my wife and I, my new bride and I, we moved to South Carolina with a job transfer. And uh, we decided to accomplish the American dream. What's that? We bought a house. And so we sat down at the attorney's office with a love letter from the bank that was about 100 pages long that basically said, you will be broke forever. You're welcome, the bank. And we signed all those. Isn't that how it feels? And they make you initial every page, right? And then we needed furniture, so guess what we done did? We went down to the furniture store, and 24 months, same as cash, we had some furniture. And what I found is that my platform had some erosion problems underneath it. And what I discovered is that your platform is only as good as the foundation that is under it. And so today, I want to talk about how do you have a strong foundation. And here's what I've discovered. Everything in life, either directly or indirectly, will cost money. That's a good spot for somebody to say amen. Right? That you're going to have to pay money for all of your life, and then when you die, you're still going to have to pay to have yourself burned or buried. I know that's not very uplifting or encouraging, but that's the truth. That Listen, that money is a never-ending toll road, right? You buy a new car, think about it. Isn't it awesome? It is awesome. It smells good. We love it so much that for our old car, we buy new car smell, car scent, right? So we buy it. It's awesome. Two years later, three kids in the back, right? Seven McDoubles, you know, rotting back there and crayons melted back there. You don't even go back. It's just a car, right? After five years, sounds start developing. And, and you reach out your hand and you pray for them, right? Jesus, I rebuke that sound in the name of Jesus. Heal my car, right? Have you ever done that? Who has prayed for your car, right? Seriously. And you will. I know you will. And listen, after five or six times, Jesus is going to be like, come on, you need to replace it. And you're going to have to pay that toll again. That life is a never-ending toll road, and whatever he calls you to do will have a cost. But if you don't have these things in place that we see from Zacchaeus, you will have a platform that might look good, but the bottom of it will erode out of it. Now, before I get started there, I think there's something really important to understand, is that the only foundation that will last is Christ. In fact, in the last song of worship, you saw some lyrics that said, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is seeking sand. And that is the truth. It says, Jesus himself said that, that do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Every, everything else will go away. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's your sure foundation. But financial foundations are important as well. And we see the first one that Zacchaeus had is that Zacchaeus, he had chosen to do this, save 
money. He had chosen to save. We see it here in the, the scripture. It says in verse 2 that there was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very what? Rich. Now, how much money is enough to say that you're rich? Do you have a number? If you're in college, it's probably $20, right? Like $20 would allow me to buy five pizzas from this pizza place called Mad Mushroom at Purdue. And what they did is they basically took cardboard and put grease on it and called it a pizza. And if you're a college student, you think it's delicious, right? But as I, what I've realized in my life is that if you try to say a certain number is wealthy, there will never be enough. That the right number to define wealth is enough to do what God has called me to do right now. In fact, one way that I define wealth is, have I missed a meal today? I have not purposely missed a meal today. And so I'm wealthy. There were people today on earth who did not get to eat today, and it was not their choice. And so, but what we know is Zacchaeus is known with worldly wealth, and what I've discovered is you cannot become wealthy if you do not save. In fact, I have a statement that, that I've found true in my life that is, you cannot prosper if you do not save. It's impossible. Think about this for a minute. If you don't save money, you will constantly be slave to emergencies, and emergencies are going to happen, aren't they? If you have young sons, you know this to be true, right? They're going to go out in the yard because they drove you crazy, and they're going to be out there about 15 minutes, and they're going to say these famous last words, hey, y'all, watch this, and you're going to get a medical bill, right? I'm serious. I'm the youngest of six boys. I saw this visually demonstrated for me regularly. My oldest brother threw a hammer in the air and watched it come down and hit him in his own face. <laughs> we don't know why, right? That same brother got in a sword fight with shovels with my second oldest brother. How do you think that finished? A broken arm, right? Here's what I know. Life's going to happen and it's going to cost money. And if you don't have this foundation under your platform of savings, you're going to have to constantly jump off the platform and go shore it up. It's just going to keep eroding away from under you. You must save money. You cannot prosper without it. And he, let me tell you, when, when I was not saving money, I was always broke. And I saw this verse in Proverbs uh, chapter 21, verse 20. It talks about savings. It says, the wise, they store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. In other words, you need to store up if you want to be wise so you can stay focused on God's calling in your life. You have to have this as part of your platform. Here's what I know. No one ever talks about the foundation of their house unless there's something wrong with it. Think about that for a minute. You don't go to a house and say, man, your house is awesome. I love the foundation. That's amazing. You've never said that. If you did, you're an engineer and you're just weird like me. Right? The only time you talk about a foundation is when the basement cracked and it's leaking or when something's settled. But let me tell you, it doesn't mean it's not crazy important. You must have a solid foundation. And let me tell you why it's so important. Is without savings, you cannot stay focused on the calling of God on your life. And you will constantly, listen, 
You are a different parent when you do not have savings. Is that true? Hey, listen, you sleep different when you have no savings. Can I get a witness? You are a different spouse when you have no savings. And you are a different employee when you do not have savings. I wonder if you've ever had a scenario kind of like I've had before. It's Saturday morning, and it's time to pay the bills, which is the most thrilling thing and absolutely what you wanted to do on Saturday morning, particularly because the mess that you know you're going to face, and you're trying to pay this pile of bills with this little pile of income. Have you ever been there? And you're saying, this will take a miracle. And then your child had the nerve to interrupt you, and you're like, what do you want? Have you ever done this? And they burst out in tears. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you I love you. <laughs> and they run away. Have you ever had this parent moment? Have you ever had it? And you're like, I'm not getting dad of the year award this year. And you're immediately heartbroken. Why did you do that? Cause stress. It's robbing you. The platform is eroding away from under you. The foundation is gone. And what I found is that when I started choosing to save, is it difficult to save? The right answer is yes. Here's why. Because we have an enemy, and he is real. And he knows if he can keep you broke, he can keep you ineffective, and he can keep you from pursuing the call of God in your life. He can keep the foundation fractured and constantly off of the platform God has called you to do, to be salt and light in the world, to bring glory to his name, to attract people's attention to Jesus and his finished work in your life. I want you to choose to save. It's very difficult to do so, but let me tell you, you cannot prosper without it. I, I was so broke. Man, I had an average bank balance of $4.13 for real. For the six months before my I have had enough moment, what I call my IHHE moment, I had a literal average bank balance of $4.13. And it didn't matter what platform I was trying to climb on because it kept tilting and falling down because the foundation was eroding from it. And I wanted to save money. But as Pastor shared last week, wanting to and good intentions are different from doing it, right? And so I wanted to save money, but I am a spender. Are there any spenders in the house? And I, ha I had a problem. Like I would go out, spend too much on lunch, and accidentally buy a truck. Right? I don't recommend this. This is bad for your finances, bad for your savings, and definitely bad for your marriage. Um, but let me tell you, I didn't like, like this, but my wife, she came in one day, and she had a budget. And I did not want to look at the budget, because I, I felt like budgets made me say no. And so I came up with poetry for it. I said, my name is Joe, and a budget makes me say no, and that interrupts my flow, so it's got to go. My wife did not laugh, <laughs> I promise you. And, but she was cute, so I decided to look at it. And so I looked at this budget, and I realized that in this budget, she had giving, and then she had saving, and everything else, and that we weren't overspending. And, and for the first time in my life, we started saving money on purpose. And it started shoring up our foundation and putting that foundation under the platform. It changed my life because we did something even crazier with that budget. After we prepared it, we actually 
followed it. That is crazy talk, I know. But we did, and it changed our life. The second thing that I've seen happen for Zacchaeus here is that when he encountered Jesus, something happened that's marvelous. That a taker, he was transformed immediately into a giver. It's amazing. Watch this in verse 8. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord, his first encounter with him as far as we know. And Jesus had called him to step down. He stands before the Lord Jesus and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people out on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Isn't that amazing? Watch this. One encounter with Jesus transformed him from being a taker to a giver. I wonder if the same is true in your life. That your encounter with Jesus, did it transform your heart from being that of a taker to a giver? Let me tell you, you cannot grow closer to the Lord without becoming a giver. It's not possible. And I saw this in my life that I I was broke and I, I was struggling with money and I kept hearing at church that we should give and that God wants to be first in our finances. And I, I, was kind of, I was kind of arguing with God on this. And then they would show scripture, which really drove me crazy, right? Because then I knew I needed to do it. And I kept hearing this verse, Malachi 3.10. And I brought it to share with you. This is the verse I kept seeing, which is to bring the whole tithe. Now, if you look up tithe in dictionary.com, it will say one-tenth of a whole, the first 10% of a whole, it, it, the tithe, into the storehouse, bring it there, bring it, don't give it, bring it, that there may be food in my house. And then four key words that says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I so I was like, that's very nice. But God obviously doesn't understand my financial situation. Have you ever been there? Because I was like, God, now check this out. See, I'm doing math here. Um, God, I've got 100%, and um, I, I, I have $4.13 left over. So, so check this out, God. I need you to know this. Have you ever told God what to do? How'd that work for you? Probably about as good as I'm getting ready to share with me, right? I was like, God, now listen. Here's the deal. Um, if I give 10%, God, first, then let me help you with the math, God. 100% minus 10% means I'm left with 90%. So let me explain this, God. I can't make it on 100%. So how in the world does this work with 90%? God, I know math. I'm an engineer. <laughs> Have you ever been there? This is real. This is real talk, right? And I said, I said God, I, I don't know how this is going to work. But then I just got mad. Have you ever just got mad at your finances? You just got mad and said, I said, God, well, I guess I will test you. I'll I'll give right now. Have you ever been there? And I realized as an engineer, this was another if-then statement. Watch this. Let's read it this way. If you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, there will be food in my house. And if you test me in this, The only place in God's word where the Lord said, test him. If you do this, then watch this. 
See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. And here's what I know in my life. See if this is true in your life. We get fired up about that. That, that more than enough thing, we'll be like, "Woo! I'm fired up, Lord. Sit it on down, Lord. I receive it. Have you ever been there? But that won't happen. The then part won't happen if the if part isn't true. And I had to in my life say, God, I'm going to test you. And so my wife and I, as we put together our budget, we put God first. For the first time in our life, we became a consistent giver. And we put saving second, and for the first time in my life, I was able to sleep well and not be nervous about sounds my car was making and be confident in the calling God had in my life. We put investing third and planned the rest. And we realized that these six words could change our life, that if we would give, save, invest, and plan the rest, we could prosper And we could live on the platform and stand confidently on the platform God had called us to do of ministry, knowing that the foundation would never erode from it, that we could prosper, that as Zacchaeus climbed that tree and positioned himself on his platform, it wasn't for our glory, but because people knew us, right? They knew we couldn't do it on our own. And as we saw the miracle God performed in our life, only he could get the glory, See, in 14 months, we paid off all of our debt except for our house. Um, And over the course of the next four years, we were able to go into full-time ministry, and we were able to take a 50% pay cut, but it didn't matter because we had been able to eliminate all of our debt, the car debt, the truck debt, the credit card debt. We owed mom and dad. That's even worse. And then, even in ministry with that 50% pay cut, at age 38, just 10 years and one month after our I Have Had Enough moment, we're able to pay off our house. And we've been able to live the blessed life to stand confidently on the platform God has placed us upon, not for our glory, but so that we could bring glory to our God who is our great provider, and so that we could point others to him and to his word, and so that we could all live this confident life living exactly where God has placed us on the platform God wants to put each and every one of us on And so that we could live a full life doing exactly what he's called us to do, regardless of the cost or the income potential. I want that for you. Listen, as I went through this journey, I saw crazy things happen. I saw God start to provide the overflow. I saw the floodgates open up. I I said, God, I like hunting. I would like to have land to hunt on. And God provided land and we own it outright. I saw God give us 54 pieces of property over the last eight years that I only dreamed of in the past. I saw God give me five more on Monday of this week, paid for in cash. I saw God build up this ministry. I saw God give us another business and saw us grow to 19 employees. I've seen the platform grow to where it's not just me, but it's a whole team of people that are living this with a strong foundation and able to do exactly what God has called us to do, regardless of the cost or the income potential. And I'm so passionate about it that I flew out here on my private jet that says American Airlines on the tail. I flew with 100 100 of my closest friends to tell you that if God did it for me, he can and he will do it for you. But my challenge to you is, will you build the strong foundation 
Will you take the courageous steps to save? Will you take the courageous steps to put him first through giving so that that platform that God puts you on, you can be confident in it knowing that it's on a strong foundation? Hey, uh, Sunday night at 6 p.m., at the west campus, this campus, and on Monday night at 6 p.m. on the east campus, I'm going to teach the financial learning experience. Let me tell you what the financial learning experience is. It is a two-hour experience. It's not a class because you're going to have too much fun, and it's an experience. We're going to teach you practical tools to make your finances get in alignment with the calling God has placed in your life. I'm going to show you how to do a budget that actually works. I'm going to show you how to get debt-free how to save money, how to invest. We're actually going to talk about practical investments in a way that makes sense. And it's two hours. It's absolutely free. There's over 100 free financial tools. There's even a free app so that you can carry your budget with you. And if you're married and you both have smartphones, you can synchronize the budget. So that if you update your budget, it will tell on you to your spouse. Get fired up. Some of you are not excited about that part. Maybe I should have left that out. But hey, I pray. Listen, do you know anybody who has money problems? Do you know anybody who's struggling? Is anybody trying to find their next step? Listen, I urge you to go to the app or to the next steps area and sign up for that. It's absolutely free. Bring your family. Bring your coworkers. We'll have a blast. Hey, as we finish, I would love to share a story of a family right here from Fountain Springs who has tested God in this, that they have taken the giving challenge and the saving challenge, and they, they were so passionate about it that they agreed to share their story with you. Take a look at the screens. We moved to Rapid City about 14 years ago, and when we came to town, we started attending a church in town that a lot of my coworkers go to. Um, it was a great church. We were there five or six years. Um, we just got to a point in our life where we wanted more. We'd just kind of been becoming hungry for more, uh, kind of stagnant as where we were with our faith. And, and so we're kind of church shopping and stumbled upon Fountain Springs one weekend. Didn't really know anything about it, but uh, our first visit there, we were, we were hooked. It was just amazing. Gone through the, the series of the, the tithing, and on that last, that last Sunday, he had brought up the 90-day tithe challenge. David explained what tithing was about. And tithing's not just giving money to the church. It is um, putting God first in your life, giving Him the first of your life. So it really changed our whole thinking about our life. We really didn't have a lot of budget or any kind of a budget going on. We lived paycheck to paycheck, basically. We had a lot of credit card debt, a lot of credit cards, you know, paying minimum on that. And, you know, looking at this challenge as something we can do. Can we afford to do it? Knowing that that's not how the tithe is based on, you know, we decided this is, this is something we need to do. We'll sacrifice where we need to do, but we've, we've got to take that step to do it. About a month into the challenge, it was Christmas time, and I decided to go. My husband couldn't go because of work, so the kids and I went to my parents' ranch in Kansas for Christmas. You know, we're still not really having any sense of direction with our money, but we were tithing faithfully, and uh, you know, still had that that credit card debt and just paying off these bills. You know, wondering, are we gonna 
to get everything taken care of. And we were there a couple of days after Christmas. My father asked me out of the blue how much we owed on our mortgage of our home. And my dad's not a uh, ask about money. He's very, you know, he didn't grow up with a lot, so he doesn't give a lot of money away. It's not a topic we talk about at, at our house. And she called me one evening and said her dad asked, how much do you owe on your house? And I thought a little odd and wasn't sure why he wanted to know that, but I kind of shot her a ballpark number, what I thought it was, you know, roughly. And later in the evening, my dad said, well, did you find out from Dan about what you owe? And I told him, and I said, why? And he said, well, I want to pay off your home. I was just speechless on that. Um, just knowing, I mean, the first thing I thought of, this is God blessing us. And so incredible to see him use somebody so unlikely, so unsuspecting to do that. We knew that God had blessed us through our obedience and faith in our lives just exploded at that point. I was blessed with an amazing job that God gave me. And I, not, I don't have to give my money, I get to give my money. Every Sunday I'm amazed at the children's ministry, you know, all the things that Fountain Springs reaches our community, our church, um, our world, Trash Mountain, Zambia, I mean, it's all over the world with what he has blessed me with. He can, he can turn that into so much more. I used to kind of put God in a box, you know, get him out when I needed him, sort of thing. Um, and after, after attending Fountain Springs and after doing this challenge and just learning, learning to trust him. We're walking in gratitude. Gratitude is so huge now. Um, we don't take anything for granted. We know everything comes from him, every good thing. So it changes our relationships. It changes um, who we are as people.